Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at 2 Samuel chapter 4 today. Another assassination, this time of Ishbosheth, uh, who did not live to have a very long reign. We were told just a couple of chapters ago, only two years, and well, here you find out why it was only two years. Um, the interesting thing, I think, is that after the previous chapter, where we really were mourning Abner's death, and we see how Ishbosheth uh, dishonored and possibly even slandered um, this this nobleman, we're feeling like, oh, you know, like Ishbosheth, he's no good. I mean, his his name, right? We we've, we've tweaked it here to Ishbosheth, man of shame. And so we're like, oh, grr, bad guy. Um, and then we find out that he dies, and, uh, well, David's not happy about this. In fact, uh, far from it. So another interesting moment here, and uh, it'll be interesting to talk about this. You know, why does David act the way he does? How does this show us that we should not be rejoicing at the misfortune of those who hate us? Joining us today as our guest, we've got Pastor David Fleming, pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Good morning, brother. Good to have you back. How are you? Great. Great to be back with you, Pastor. And uh, uh, good day here. Glad to hear it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I mean, this is a neat chapter here. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm kind of relieved that it's one of the shorter chapters. Um, you know, sometimes it's just, you just get like, I think it was, uh, it's either like last time or the time before, I just felt like the chapter was just huge and there's so many different things going on. Uh, but this one just, you know, a little over a dozen verses or so. But but still, this, I think, is good because just trying to unpack this and figure out, okay, what's okay in these wars and battles? What's not okay? Um, you know, I, I think it—I don't, I don't know if we have really an intuition for it. It is challenging, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, it struck me that uh, just overall this— you know, pretty dark chapter, right? After another yeah. previously dark chapter is yeah. a reminder to us that some days we get a little discouraged by oh, our, uh, our cultural and political climate in our day, but at least it wasn't this bad. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, yeah, I know. We, uh, I think it was just yesterday we were looking at that. And we were just, I mean, just looking at, you know, all the, the bad things going on, on on David's side of things. And, uh, you know, just we kind of think to ourselves, oh, why can't we have a King David? And it's like, well, I mean, you know, King David was no King David, if that's the way you're kind of thinking about it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, think about this. We finally have King David, and this is like how his reign starts, you know. So um, I'm certainly it, it kind of brings us back down to earth, huh? It sure does. And, you know, we see the thing, same thing at the beginning of Solomon's reign, too, don't we? I mean, it's kind of ruthless uh, being a king. You You have to... Um, well, control things, and other people, you know, act on David's behalf here in ways that he did not want, which, you know, the Lord still accomplished for his good, I suppose, right, and for the good right. of, of Israel. But, yeah, it gets ugly. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Well, um, it'll be good to to dive into this and just kind of struggle struggle with each other over the text here. But uh, before we do, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer, if you would uh, start us up, please. Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your abundant mercy to us, that though we are sinners um, who deserve your damnation, 
you gave that instead to your son, who reigned as king, paying for our full debt, that through his death, we would be raised up, and through his resurrection, we would be seated to reign with him eternally. Cause us by your Holy Spirit to delight in your word, uh, to learn from it, and to serve our neighbors, even our enemies, in, in, um, in love, as you've called us to, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, trying to recall some different things to help us here from the context. We, th- this is not going to be the first time that David gets news of one of what we would say, one of his enemies dying. Uh, we, we saw this at the beginning, and this is, this is interesting how Second Samuel is just, this is how it goes, right? In the very first chapter, he gets word that Saul is dead, doesn't seem to respond very well to that news. Um, then he gets word that Abner's dead, doesn't respond very good to that news. So we have a little bit of a pattern going on here. Um, and in the case of the previous chapter, we didn't really have a chance to talk about this, but he actually lays down a curse against his general Joab. He doesn't he doesn't punish him per se. He doesn't go after him. He is his general, and I wonder how prudent that course of action would have been. Uh, but he does curse him. Um, and then, of course, at the beginning in chapter 1, he actually just kills the guy um, who says he killed Saul. So uh, we're, we're seeing something of a pattern. And I think that in some ways, if we're paying attention to the text, we're not surprised by what happens here. I completely concur. I, um, it's If anything, his restraint with Joab is sort of surprising, that he only yeah. curses him. Although that curse is a pretty awful curse, it's, it's and making Joab join in the morning for Abner was, uh, that's a, a kind of surprising and shame-producing thing for Joab, I would think, that he's yeah. got to pretend to be sad about the death of Abner, who's uh, death of, I mean, he caused and wanted and delighted in, clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, so uh, David does, uh, uh, you know, the, the, David amazingly, right back when he had the opportunity to kill Saul before and so forth, he, he restrains from that. Uh, this is the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to do that. Um, and then the Lord sees fit to have other people step in and uh, take out his political enemies, his military enemies, um, which, you know, you might say David's weak, but yet the Lord accomplishes this for him. And uh, David is is not going to be one to endorse uh, evil against, uh, against even those who act as his enemies. I mean, it's a a beautiful role model um, for us. Um, and not that David's without sin, mind you. I mean, he's got, he's got his flaws. But in this regard, you know, what a, what, what, how different than the way we tend to look at it naturally, the um, uh, bad things happening to my enemies, well, that's just good. And we applaud it and cheer it. Not David. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, too, that... Um... Yeah, again, we, we didn't really have a chance to get into the curse last time, but the way that we, we read um, cursing psalms and, and cursing um, language in the Bible, we, we, we take a step back and we're saying, oh my goodness, like that they would say these things and like it's that seems so hateful. What happened to, you know, love your enemies, right? 
Um, but like, I, it's it's helpful to have chapters like the preceding because you see that, as you were saying, it's really a sign of David's restraint, right? Like, David could have like I don't know like you know executed the guy or at least you know I I don't know like demoted him or sent him into exile right but uh, when when he does this curse right I think it kind of sums up the idea here in the final verse the Lord repay the evildoer according to his wickedness right like the curse is a way of saying may God do this right like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything I'm not gonna mete out the punishment but but I, I know God is going to execute justice in his own time in his own way. I, I mean, I mean, the curse is pretty open ended too. When you when you look at it, right? Like, uh, oh, where where was it here? Like, it, I think it was like something like three or four different options or something. Uh, do you, where was that in the previous chapter? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's here. Yeah, um, about well, it's family and um, generation to generation, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there, there it is. Back in chapter, verse twenty nine, right? So it's uh, yeah. may the house of Joab never be without. It's like behind door number one, uh, one who has a <laughs> discharge, or two who is leprous, or who holds a spindle, or who falls by the sword, or who lacks bread, right? So it, it's uh, it's just. I, I mean, I guess, of course, you you could. I guess you could read that as like all of the above, but I mean, <laughs> uh, which is quite the disaster. But I mean, it also just kind of can feel like, you know, well, some something bad. God, you decide. So I mean, like you you really see that 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 restraint then of saying I'm not going to go after him myself and you know be the one who is the 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 judge, jury, and executioner. Yes, and you know the Psalms of lament and and the imprecatory Psalms do the exact same thing and they're they're really helpful for us when when we've been sinned against by uh, others we have these beautiful psalms to pray to throw the revenge to the lord and mm-hmm. make him the one that's going to seek the vengeance not us so it's we don't have to spend our time in bitterness thinking about the wrongs others have done to us we throw them at the lord through these psalms of lament and the imprecatory psalms and leave it to god to figure out what what punishment is right and just and how to how to figure this all out which is beautiful restraint um and uh and david does this uh exactly here in this cursing he throws it at the lord rather than uh meeting it out directly himself so that's where we find ourselves today in chapter four. So let's go ahead and read the chapter, just put it all there on the table, and uh, we'll take a look then, especially um, at this mention of these uh, rating bands, because um, I feel like this has kind of come up several times, this this rating idea, um, but we, we should take a closer look at it. But here we go. Here's the whole chapter, first of all. Second Samuel chapter four in the English Standard Version. When Ishbosheth, Saul's son, heard that Abner had died at Hebron, his courage failed, and all Israel was dismayed. Now, Saul's son had two men who were captains of raiding bands. The name of one was Bana, and the other Rechab, sons of Ramon, a man of Benjamin from Beroth, for Beroth also is counted part of Benjamin. The Berothites fled to Gitaim and have been sojourners there to this day. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old. When the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled, and as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame, and his name was 
Oh my goodness. Okay. Slow it down. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. (laughs) And his name was Mephibosheth. (laughs) Now, the sons of Ramon, the Barothite, Rechab, and Banah set out, and about the heat of the day, they came to the house of Ishbosheth as he was taking his noonday rest. And they came into the midst of the house as if to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and Banah, his brother, escaped. When they came into the house and he lay on his bed in his bedroom, they struck him and put him to death and beheaded him. They took his head and went by way of the Arabah all night and brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron. And they said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. The Lord has avenged my lord the king this day on Saul and on his offspring. But David answered Rechab and Banah, his brother, the sons of Ramon the Barothite, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life out of every adversity, when one told me, Behold, Saul is dead, and thought he was bringing me good news, I seized him and killed him at Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more, when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed, shall I not now require his blood at your hand and destroy you from the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they killed them, and cut off their hands and feet, and hanged them beside the pool at Hebron, and they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner at Hebron. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you Mephibosheth, know, Ishbosheth, oh, it's too many, too, too many Bosheths here, guys. Um, uh, but, but yes, I mean, the, uh, it, it's a, it's a really, uh, the, the response, right? You know, when, um, I mean, really, you talk about, uh, you know, curses and, and things, uh, David starts off with, uh, I mean, I, I mean, kind of that kind of language here, that kind of like cursing or oath language. He says, you know, as the Lord lives, right? Um, I, I mean, just as this way of saying, like, I, I am, I am bound by God to do this to you, um, and, and he and he finds it to be contemptible, which which I think is really interesting because I, I mean, this is a big difference, and and you mentioned this, right? His restraint before with Saul was was couched in terms of Saul being the Lord's anointed, right? Um, but it's unclear that Ishbosheth enjoys the same legitimacy, right? And that's not what David says. He didn't say, you know, oh well, you know, Ishbosheth was the Lord's anointed, so that's just it's just not you know. He doesn't go there. Um, in fact, at the beginning of all this, it says uh, this was the news that was brought to King David. And, uh, and so actually, you know, I think the idea is that he's a legitimate one, but it's just that he just doesn't, he, he can't condone the way Ishbosheth was killed, even if he wasn't the legitimate king of Israel. Correct. Right. And I, he never acknowledges that he's the legitimate king, does he? Um, uh, right. And, and I think, you know, I do think this is out of honor for Saul still, right? That, hmm. um, Saul was still the anointed one, and uh, you know David uh, is going to has a family. Um, yeah. He's the anointed one to follow. I think there would be, you know, kind of like even in our day, we think kind of uh, the president's kids are off limits from uh, yeah. press trouble, right? Um, that that you know he wants to defend uh, Saul's family. I mean, he was very close to Jonathan. Was heartbroken at his death. Um, 
So, uh, and then that, of course, that this is done in such a heinous way um, yeah. to, you know, feign that you're getting your kind of wages, your wheat for doing your work as a raider for um, Ishbosheth, and then, you know, to then go in and, and just murder him while he's asleep um, and uh, to behead him. Um, you know, this isn't this isn't fitting or proper. Um, right. Well, so so I think that there's there's that side to it. And then I also I wonder if this actually gets back to David's oath because um so the first time that that David spares Saul's life or you know perhaps even the the second time that he saves his life, you might say, um it, there in the cave at um Lam um I'm trying to find the, the part here in the chapter, but yeah. he spares his life. And then when this happens, Saul extends some, some mercy to David. He, he, he actually takes the 3000 men and just marches him back home, but not without getting a, a vow from David here. Uh, let me see here. There it is in verse 21 of chapter 24. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. So I, I am also that. one. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, well, well, no, actually, I, I, I had forgotten about, I mean, like how that I could relate to actually until, until you were speaking. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, David makes this oath right and and like he he did he uses this oath language when he kills the guy he says as the lord lives right and so i wonder if when he says that he's saying like guys i'm under oath and i said i was going to protect saul's sons um this this is completely out of bounds and yeah i mean i mean yeah maybe he is saying in some ways it's like it's not even just that they they killed him in this you know dastardly way but it's i mean he he was committed to to sparing Saul's family, just as you were saying. You know, I mean, thinking about it in terms of Saul, right? Yeah, and he had made that oath. That's a great point. I I think also, you know, I, um, of course, as the Lord lives, so he does do this oath language. So he is. I think yeah. you're right. He's calling attention to the promise he had made to the Lord. I think it's also important that. Uh, you know, publicly he be seen not as one uh, app- approving of this murder. Right. Uh, uh, much as he couldn't be publicly seen as being in favor of the murder of Abner. Yeah. Uh, uh, that Because uh, that will undermine his uh, his rule, right? And it will make it so that, you know, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword, right? I mean, that, yep. if, you know, if you try to do this by, by power and everybody thinks you pulled all these levers to get these guys killed, well, then oh, yeah. you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to sleep all that night. And, uh, but instead, by mourning over Abner and by uh, saying, uh, well, being upset at the death of Ishbosheth, um, he is, he is, uh, making it clear to the public that he is still, you know, he, he's not a ruthless king. Um, he's still defending Saul and those who are under Saul. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I, you think about that, right? Because there is, I mean, actually, this is an interesting two thing. Uh, um, but before this, we have the mention of, um, man, this is the worst name. 
Mephibosheth. Yeah. Right. <sighs> it's too, it's too much for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, I mean, we talked about this before, too, like that originally their names were probably like Ishbael and uh, I, yeah. I guess it would have been like um, Mephibael or something like that, which would just be a thousand times easier to say. But um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, but so he's he's mentioned. Right. And actually, it's interesting that we have such such detail given to him. It's like we, we know he's five. Um, you, you, you never have the ages given of children, like ever, <laughs> or, or let alone this much like uh, attention, right, given to them. Um, you know, it, get, it gives a little story about how he lost the ability to walk, right, Th- this crippling injury. Mm-hmm. So you, you have this, uh, this, uh, this little kind of background explanation, which uh, it kind of, in some ways, it just kind of like seems like it's just kind of sitting there right and it's kind of like well what's what's going on with this right like we're not really doing anything with mephibosheth in this chapter so i mean we'll want to talk about that but i mean i think that for the purposes here it's just kind of mentioning like hey you know there are people left in saul's family right his house his name has not been entirely wiped out and to your point um if he tolerates and lets this thing uh go with with the assassination of ishbosheth well, the other Besheth guy is pretty much next, right? I mean, like, oh, someone's going to say, like, hey, look, like, they, they got away with it. And, hey, David seemed pretty happy with that. I mean, this child's getting murdered next. I mean, so in a lot of ways, I think that it took this assassination to even have a, to give the child a chance to live. Wow, that's a fascinating point. I like that a lot. I I also, I, I wondered, wow, that is I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I also wondered if it's inserted here to make it clear that the only rival to David for the throne would be uh, Ishbosheth, not Mephibosheth, because he's too young, first of all, and he's crippled, which makes him kind of ineligible. I mean, you can't lead troops into battle if you can't, if you're crippled. And yeah. so uh, uh, that, you know, it's announcing that this, Ishbosheth, if he's out of the way, then things are completely clear for David to be king over all these people. Uh, and you, you've really eliminated any uh, legitimate heir to the throne from Saul's side. That's interesting, too, to consider. I mean, just, uh, well, and I think that we kind of had that idea in the previous chapter, just how um, the way that, that Ishbosheth made the accusation against Abner just as a way of, I, I mean, kind of probably the politics of someone challenging your claim to the throne, right? Just how how that idea, right? Like potential challengers to your claim um, is just is a big element here in all the uh, the, the gears and, and the wheels turning and all these uh, passages. But uh, well, let's go ahead actually now and, and go back to the beginning of the chapter really quick. Okay. Um, just going to have enough time to kind of like kind of put something out there and then it'll be time for our break. But so going back to the beginning of the chapter, we uh, we get Ishbosheth uh, getting the news about Abner. It says his courage failed, which is really interesting because I mean the last thing that we're told about their interaction is that it was uh, well I guess suppose the last thing was Abner saying um, Ishbosheth give up Mikal. And, and Ishbosheth says, okay. <laughs> um, and, and before that, you know, Abner's like, hey, you know, you, you are being ridiculous. 
you know, God so help me if I don't give the kingdom over to David and and just he has nothing, right? So you almost feel like Ishbosheth is just like quaking in his boots, um, you know, dealing with Abner. And so that Abner dies, it says his courage failed. Well, anyways, we just, there's so many of these weird reactions to how, how these things happen, but we'll just kind of ponder that for a minute. It's time for our break, but everybody hold on. We're looking at Second Samuel chapter four on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more about classical Lutheran education at Faith Plano, visit flsplano.org. That's flsplano.org. This has been quite a year, a lot of uncertainty. But there is one thing you can count on if you're a member of the Concordia Plans. Your benefits through the Concordia Plans are always with you to help keep you physically, emotionally, and financially healthy. Protect yourself and your family by signing up for your health care benefits, along with additional insurance and saving for retirement. Choose your 2021 benefits November 2nd through the 20th at concordiaplans.org slash myaccount. Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll talk to Dr. John Warwick Montgomery about the beheading of a French teacher after showing cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad. We'll discuss media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly, and we'll respond to your email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 4 today. Another murder and another reaction from David, not as subdued as his last one. Joined today by our guest, Pastor David Fleming, pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. If you've got a question for me or Pastor Fleming and you're listening live, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, or you can post your comments or questions on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Just looking at a couple of those over the break, talking about um, the raiders that are mentioned, because uh, it's, it's sort of interesting how it, it describes Saul's uh, son, Ishbosheth as having uh, two men who were captains of raiding bands. That's it, sort of... Uh, but yeah, we want to talk maybe a little bit about that, um, and then also just the, the the deal with like the the body parts, right? Like this this week, it seems like this happens again if we're if we're keeping track, right? Um, Goliath's head cut off, uh, Saul's head cut off, right? Ishbosheth's head now cut off, right? So cutting off people's heads is a kind of a significant uh, thing, and not just a I don't know gratuitous 
uh, I don't know, uh, Mortal Kombat style, like, you know, a violence thing for the story. It's, it, there's something, there's something to that here. So a couple of good kind of comments and questions. Uh, before we turn to those, I want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. So, uh, yeah, right before we get to the uh, the rating parties, I guess, the, the thing that I was kind of uh, wondering about myself, it says that his courage failed, uh, Ishbosheth's, uh, when he gets the the word of Abner dying. And it seems almost like he should have been relieved because Abner had turned into an adversary, right? I mean, well, he made him into an adversary, but you know, Abner said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over to David's side, and here, you cough up Michal, and I'm gonna, you know, uh, send send her over to David." So, I, I mean, I don't know. Why, why do you suppose it says this in verse one? How does he react this way? He appears to be a pretty weak ruler, I think, um, if you ask me. And Abner clearly is. Uh, he's uh, cunning and and you know, uh, strong. Uh, yeah. So uh, without this strong assistant, even if that is, even if they're having like a little squabble internally and maybe a big squabble, um, uh, but, you know, to lose that, uh, that right hand man that, that, that who had worked for your father and was, a, you know, a strong commander and so forth. Um, I think that's, that's the problem. He's now uh, without uh, a, a a wise, strong, uh, uh, well, what what word do I want to use? Not wise, um, uh, well, sneaky and manipulative guy. You know, a, a guy that knows how to get things done, right? To, you, yeah, yeah, right. no, no, that, that's well put. Yeah, your your guy who can get things done, right? Your uh, your fix it man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting too what the uh, what the Hebrew says. Like this is this is one of these moments where I just it, it, it may just be that I just don't know enough and. Uh, I just know enough to be dangerous, but ho- hopefully it's not that. But um, <laughs> but like it says there in, in the Hebrew text anyway, maybe there's actually a note about, no, it doesn't have the note in the ESV either. But um, so it, it says yeah. there, you know, he gets the news about uh, him dying um, at Hebron. And then it says, and I mean, literally it says his hands like, dropped or became limp or something um and 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 the language of hand right i mean this is something that i feel like you see all the time and it means power basically i mean it means power it means authority you can kind of think about it in terms of like you know his his grip on the kingdom you might say right Right. so like i i just don't know I, i i don't know I guess why it's translated as courage and it might just be my ignorance here. But to me, this, this might've been more like, uh, you know, he's losing his grip on, on, on the throne here. Right. If he doesn't have Abner there, it's, yeah, it's true. Abner was becoming, like you were saying, uh, confrontational and there were, there were some squabbles, but you know, as long as Abner was there, it's like, Hey, I've, I've got like a, you know, a guy who's not, I mean, you know, he's not very happy with me right now, but, you know, I don't think he'd be treasonous. So I, I just I just wonder if it's just him saying like, or you're just kind of realizing that he's kind of got nothing to keep him in power at this point. Yeah, but like the handwriting's on the wall sort of. <laughs> the, the yeah. Right, that, uh, yeah. oh no, this is all going to fall apart. Yeah, it is, his hands uh, uh, drooped, right? Um, and, I, you know, I, his courage is gone, right? He's, he's uh, got... 
uh, he's got no control over this situation. I suppose also the fact that Abner has been offed uh, would uh, make him also recognize, boy, he's in a pretty vulnerable position himself and might yeah. be next. In the, yeah. No, that's, that's true, right? Because it's, you know, they're, they're both counted as, you know, House of Saul, right? So, yeah. uh well, and in that way, he's actually right, you know, because there there are just, you know, both of these murders, right, have been people who justified it on the basis of, hey, this is House of Saul. So, you know, this is just kind of, uh, as one of our commenters on Facebook said, um, it's kind of standard procedure in the ancient world that, you know, new new uh, regime comes in, you, you kill all your opponents, right? You, you wipe out everything that was left to the house, at least among the men, right? And then you take the women. Um, so this is the standard procedure here, which... Uh, which David is showing some resistance towards um, and, and by way of restraint. But I, I wonder if it, it would be helpful if we, if we go back to that little scene between them in, uh, in chapter three, right? Where it mm-hmm. says here that um, the house of Saul is overall becoming uh, weaker. Um, but we also have this, uh, this comment that, that Abner is uh, becoming stronger, right? So, so then, Abner he he makes his his comment after uh, Ishbosheth goes and and says hey you know did you did you do this why, why or actually he says why did you do this um, mm-hmm. and, and then so he says you know this uh, God do so to Abner and more also if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba right um, and and so you he, he there he says it right. But I guess the thing that occurred to me was, you know, I wonder if Ishbosheth sitting there, speechless, just saying to himself, "I hope he's just saying that. I hope he's just saying that. Right? I hope he's just angry, right? Like you know, because like I, I, people do this today, right? Like the, the people right. will just say, you know, God so help me if I don't, you know, and they'll just say like yeah. say all this stuff, but they're just they're just kind of voicing their anger or their frustration. Um, and you and you're just hoping to God that they don't actually mean that. So I, I wonder if Ishbosheth is kind of basically in that position where it's, he's just like, well, okay, he said that, but I'm really hoping he's still on my side because he's pretty much all I've got. Uh, that sounds uh, uh, perceptive to me. I think, uh, yeah, that he's hoping. Uh, well, that Abner's still officially on his side, but. Um, yeah. Of course, we know he isn't, right? We know he actually does go and gather all these um, yep. men yeah. with him, and he does make this pact with David. And um, and you know, <laughs> and if it weren't for Joab coming back from his raiding party right after Abner leaves, then and knowing about this, that uh, I mean, he might still be around. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's right. I mean, he he gets word that he's dead, but I mean, it's not like he's going to have. Um, I, I mean, it's not like he's going to have any of the details, except for perhaps, right, that David's men killed him, right? Which would only, in his mind, then solidify the hope, right, that he yeah. was still on his side, right? Yeah, I if, mean, if it he had known it, the it detail, right? Yeah, yeah, if he had known the details, right, <laughs> he might go, well, this is actually good news. <laughs> uh, well, Abner was betraying me, but uh, you didn't know that. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I think I think I think I, we have to kind of keep rem- pinching ourselves and reminding ourselves that it's not like this is social media and like you know like video footage of everything gets like released like within an hour of of it happening, right? I mean, like the the details are spotty 
at best. And, and so, yeah, they're all dealing with very limited information. So, okay. So, uh, yeah, so he's in this bad position where he was, he was making Abner upset, uh, but he was hoping to God that Abner was still on his side. Um, he's in a bad spot with Abner dead. Um, you know, he, this is the guy who's really, uh, it was the best thing he had going in his corner. And then we get this, this little aside thing, um, that says now, uh, now Saul's son had two men, which is interesting by itself that it's just, it says Saul's son, but, um, had two men who were captains of raiding bands. Okay. Like, what are, what are we to make of this? Right? Like, you know, it, I think we're kind of used to seeing that there are, um, you know, commanders of hundreds, commanders of thousands, but like, what does it mean that Ishbosheth has raiding band captains and like, how do these things function? Um, especially it seems like that this would kind of imply that there were kind of like state sanctioned raiding bands. So what do you, what do you make of that? That's a great question. I, I don't know much. I, I know that, you know, raiding was kind of a, a normal uh, thing and, and, uh, during biblical times, I mean, you hear of it all over the place. It seems like David was protecting people like uh, Nabal from uh, raiding bands, which is why he expected to get something for himself and his troops, uh, you know, back when Abigail inter- intervened. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> well, you know, honestly, the, the thing that 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 it just draws to mind anyway is the situation with David, right? Because David was essentially functioning as a raiding band for Achish, right? Um, wow. So you know he he was I mean he had his his men. Uh, so you know you you would say he was like um you know like an Elifsar, like he was like a, a commander of a thousand, right? But he was functioning in this in this role for for Achish that you know he would go out raid you know you know i mean he would say that he was raiding basically judah um but he would actually raid like the amalekites or something and come back with all this loot and that was the the system right that um you know he's the the client and he brings all this stuff back for his patron akish so i i wonder if it's something like that it, it is interesting that it mentions um that they're from Barroth and it kind of like kind of uh mentions Barroth actually like a, a few times right um you know that in verse three it says the barothites fled to get time and been sojourners there to this day so like if the idea isn't that the the barothites right are kind of functioning like david was where they're they're kind of the clients and it's like well kind of to earn our keep we go and we you know regularly go out on these raids like we're we're a kind of regularly deployed troop um and and they're not just kind of like you know i don't know people in the army that are just kind of generally overseeing defenses or something yeah i makes sense to me yeah. well and then i think the other thing that's like i was saying noteworthy is that it's just referred to um ishbosheth's just referred to as saul's son here right like uh which i think really complements what you were saying that Ishbosheth is really just kind of like, I don't know, he, he, he's not really fitting in Saul's shoes here. <laughs> you know, like, he, it, this, this is just kind of like the, the ghost of Saul, um, you know, just kind of like filling out the, the lame duck term here. But I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's just there's not a lot of power here. 
um, it, it's just all very much writing the legacy of Saul and it's, it's not going to last. So, um, so yeah, I just, I, I wonder if kind of the, the way that this sets us up in verse two is just kind of saying already like, yeah, this is, this is not going to go well. Like, like Ishbosheth does not really have control over these people, right? They're, they're, like he is in the middle of this web of a patron and client and uh, rule of different parties and different tribes and stuff that his father set up. But it's just kind of happening to this guy. <laughs> He's not actually the like the mastermind. He was like, you know, pulling the strings here. Indeed, right, and then, and of course, then these strings get pulled on him, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Complete uh, turns on him. Mm-hmm. Oh, hang on a second. Let's take a look here at some of the questions that came in over email. Let's see yeah. if uh, what, what we got here. So, first question here: uh, David's behavior against the men who committed this deceit uh, to secure his kingdom. Are we uh, taking a New Testament mindset and applying it to the Old Testament passage? Um, is that why we say David is a man after God's own heart? Well, you know, that. so this comment is interesting, right? We can't keep going back to this, this uh, man after his own heart, because that goes back to what um, Samuel said. Um, where, where was that here? I want to find that. Yeah. Samuel said this of David. Uh, I think he said this uh, to Saul, right, like by way of contrast. Uh, because Saul was showing himself to be uh, disobedient, but Samuel is making this point that, well, you know, the Lord's going to find somebody else. And, and the heart keeps getting uh, mentioned, really, throughout First Samuel. But so it goes back to chapter 13 and verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And, and I think that... Um, I don't know, at least for me, when I think about this as an English idiom, because we, we use this, right, in English, I, I think we kind of like, I don't know, we, we, we kind of mean it's like somebody who has the same set of like sympathies or or uh, or, or uh, who likes the same things or who loves the same things. or uh, I mean, we, I think we, we think of it like very like positively. And so when we see David, you know, with, you know, at least six wives and failing as he does, we're, we're kind of left scratching our heads saying like, hang on, this is after the Lord's own heart, right? Uh, <laughs> but, well, I don't know. I mean, what, just before I give my take, what, what do you, what do you make of that? That's, I, you know, I, it does get mentioned in Acts, right? Um, in when yeah. it's at Paul giving the history of Israel, right? I, yeah. I, uh, um, so it must have been, it must have been an important phrase that they thought about, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it means, honestly. Um, well, I, I think that um, one of the things that I've found helpful in, in reading both the Old Testament, actually, and the New Testament is is looking at what they meant by heart, because heart, you know, you, you think of it in our context today, we think of it as like, a, you know, all the emotions are there, right? But, um, you know, and this is this is something that lots of people have commented on, that it, it seems like in the anthropology of, like, th- these ancient cultures, everything was shifted down. Um, so instead of, like, you know, your thoughts being up in your head and your emotions being down in your heart, instead your thoughts are 
in your heart and then your emotions are down somewhere in your like stomach <laughs> and you're like in your intestines or something. Um, and that's why you get all these, like all these, uh, I don't know, like all, all, all these words, um, that are like, you know, like what, when someone's moved to pity, it's like, it's like their, their gut is moved, right. Is, is, the, is the way it talks about it. So I wonder if, um, in the context here and just kind of in the way that this is talked about, if David being after God's own heart means not right that David's like appetites and feelings and desires are all in alignment with God because clearly they're not, but, but rather it's like he is going to pursue what God commands him, right? Like if God says, this is my plan, if God says, this is my will, if God says, Hey, go do this, go do it. Unlike Saul here, right? Um, you know, who, who disobeys the command to kill the Amalekites. And hey, maybe maybe there's re- good reasons for that. Maybe there's, you know, maybe Saul wanted to show restraint. Maybe Saul said, why why should we kill them? Um, you know, why should we kill them? Man, woman, and child, right? So it, it's not necessarily like faulting Saul's, uh, I don't know, like inclinations or feelings or something, but but his obedience. And so I wonder if, if the kind of the thread here is that, yeah, David's flawed, but fundamentally as a king, he obeys obeys God despite the flaws. And and you know, he obeys he obeys God um in the most critical area. Uh, uh, you know, when God calls him to repent, he repents. When you know, mm-hmm. when he gets confronted, he he does not hesitate from confessing that he's wrong and and uh you know, which that's not true of uh, of, of Saul or, or many others, right? They kind of fight back against, uh, or or uh, they don't uh, they don't throw themselves on the mercy of the Lord, right? They, um, which David does, yeah. right, consistently. Yeah. Well, and and then and then for that matter too, right? He follows through with his his oaths, right? That yeah, he especially this oath here to protect the family of Saul, um, and by executing these men, so. I wonder if, in some ways, uh, yeah, the the way that we see that he's after God's heart, so to speak, um, is not so much like, oh, well, you know, look, look, look at him, like he he shows so much, like you know, pity or mercy or I don't know, he loves the right things, but but just that, you know, uh, hey, like he made this commitment to Saul and he's going to honor it, um, and he's going to do lots of bad things along the way, right? Um, he's going to get really angry and he's going to be tempted to do the wrong thing, right? But like in the end, like you said, in these critical moments of his kingship, he's going to obey still at the end of the day. Um, let's take a look at another uh, cup. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and even, you know, even doesn't go after the guy that mocks him when he's uh, escaping from Absalom. Um, and yet on his deathbed said, make sure that guy doesn't <laughs> gets taken out. Right. So he keeps his promise, but um, yeah, he still wants the punishment to happen. Yeah. yeah. No, no, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, so w- one more question here that, that came in then over email here. Um, so, you know, th- this is kind of getting into uh, chapter 12 of Romans. So this is quoting from the King James Version. So recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide all th- provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of like, and then also the, the, the email kind of connects it then to proper, Proverbs 
Whoso mocketh the poor reproaches his maker, and he that is glad at calamities shall not go unpunished. Yeah, I, I think that this, uh, I think this this goes and ties in well nicely into this. That um, you know, like we were saying, he 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 leaves to God the punishment of Joab, right? Like he says, you know, hey, I'm not going to just kill this guy. I'm going to leave that to God. Um, but right, like he's not showing himself to be you know happy and dancing on Ishbosheth's grave and like, oh, finally, like the last person who challenge would challenge my authority. Right now, the way is clear for me to rule. Huzzah! Right. Like he doesn't, you know, have a have like a party. Um, rather, I mean, it, it is interesting because we, we got to talk about this too. He he buries Ishbosheth's head anyway. That's what he has um, in Abner's grave, right? And it's like, whoa! You think that Ishbosheth deserves the same kind of honor as Abner? Well, I mean, hardly. But he still that's still the kind of reaction and it's kind of respect that he pays um, his enemy. Yes, right. I've- Indeed, and uh, right, <laughs> great restraint, isn't it? I mean, it, and uh, a great, uh, you know, in a shame culture, this showing honor and uh, dignity to others is uh, very valuable. We're interestingly, I think, at our day, we're turning largely to a shame culture here as well, and and which we're to outdo each other in honoring each other, aren't we? Which, which is, seems like the opposite of the way we're moving, right? <laughs> we're uh, yeah. more, more interested in shaming people. Well, yeah, no, there, there is a, um, yeah, no, I mean, cause it's, it's, it's an, it's an honor shame thing, but it's also an outrage thing. <laughs> right. And, and so that, that kind of gets tied into it. Like who, yeah, who's, who shows himself to be like the most outraged is, is the most righteous. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, but all right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks James for those questions via email. Uh, let's kind of turn back to the text here and just kind of look at the last couple of things here. So we already talked about, um, you know, so you, you had this kind of background information about Barrow Roth and maybe that kind of speaks to the, the client, patron relationship they had going on uh that was set up under saul right um saul was the one who set this up and, and that might be partly why too that these uh these men from barrow Roth don't feel particularly loyal to Ishbosheth because they say like well we made that deal with uh your predecessor <laughs> um mm-hmm. uh we we move in to the description of the actual uh, assassination I don't know any any other details that stand out to you. Um, I I take note that that he's taking a siesta. Um, <laughs> that, that, that culturally, this like you just look at like all this stuff, and you don't you don't you don't think about this very often. But it seems like you, you have these suggestions that taking a midday nap was extremely common in most cultures of the world for a long time. Yes, and uh, and it makes you vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, they um, they ruthlessly take him out while he's sleeping. I mean, I, I, you know, you wonder um, with Abner gone, uh, could these guys have seen the handwriting of the wall? That also that um, Ishbosheth is out, um, David is in. So we're you know we're going to really ingratiate ourselves with David by doing this. Uh, uh, this great thing, uh, this uh, murder, and uh, I mean, clearly they think that's going to work because they bring the head. Yeah. Well, that that complements what you were saying that that by having the comment about Meship, mm, Mephibosheth, right before this, right? 
um, th- does that kind of explain it, right? Because they're like, uh, okay, so the only one left from the House of Saul is a five-year-old boy who can't walk. Yep. Well, we know which way the wind's blowing, right? I, I think that does complement your point that that that's got to be part of it here. That they're they're saying like we we know we know how this is going to turn out. Um, but 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 right by by doing this and you know and, and cutting off his head, right? I mean, this is the same thing that they did to Saul. This is the same thing that they did to Goliath here. Um, why do you think they go and they they take the head and they bring it and uh, you know it says there that they were going to like put it up in the I think what what was it like they're gonna like they they put it in the the watering hole or something like that. Um, well, that that's what ends up happening to their bodies. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's right. That's right. No, yeah. Just, so what, what's with the, what's with all this like you know hanging of body parts here? <laughs> um, oh, so well, I you know these are trophies, proof that the thing actually happened, right? You don't have like you mentioned before, we don't have social media, we don't have the. <laughs> A news cycles yeah. and all that stuff. So, so to actually show that this really happened, you gotta you gotta have some proof. And uh, with Saul, it was what the crown and the armband from the guy who boasted that he had killed Saul, which of course he hadn't. Um, but for his own boasting, he gets uh, he 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 gets put to death. Um, but yeah, they bring the head to uh, to show it and to show that there's uh, you know victory over him and he's finished off. Um, in in the uh, the uh, a painting that surrounds our church, uh, David has got his foot on Goliath's head, holding Goliath's sword, um, which oh, I, wow. I think kind of fun. It parallels Jesus um, sitting on his throne with Satan's head under his foot. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, um, yeah, he's defeated our enemy. Yeah, no, I, like you're like you're saying, and ultimately, it's uh, it's it's this this proof that the thing had happened, right? Like it's. Uh, you know, you have the cross there on, on Golgotha, the place of the skull, right? Like, in, in fact, like, that's oh. kind of, that's the skull right there, right? That's been defeated uh, for God's people. Well, thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, just a lot of things going on in these little chapters. Appreciate it, and looking <laughs> forward to having another conversation again soon. You've been listening to Thy Strong... Hey, everybody, that was Pastor David Fleming, our Savior, Grand Rapids, Michigan, going on to Chapter 5. Till then, Pastor A.J. Espinosa, peace. KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.